Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This show is sponsored by Glynful Love, who would like to highlight Urban Sprawl CIC a Leeds-based theatre group working with people affected by homelessness. To find out more about them, go to urbansprawl.org.uk or find them on Facebook. At Bridge Farm Cafe, we always use Sarah Smith cloths. When I was at Brookfield, they only had those nasty blue and white ones. But these are a bit vintage, like our furniture. Balance says I have to call our cakes vintage, not stale. Sarah Smith, for the posher washer. Hello everybody, it's Auntie Jean here. Um, I've just listened to this week's podcast and I need to explain where I was when they were all singing the dum-de-dum because I wasn't there, I was in the toilet and I didn't hear a thing so I think they must have soundproofed that toilet in that pub because I didn't know what was going on and when I came rushing out and said to Lucy why didn't we get everybody to do a dum-de-dum they went, well we've just done it and I wasn't in it. So I aim to put that right now. And no, I'm not obsessed with toilets, by the way. I know I was going on and on and on about spending 30p on a week, but I still think that's dreadful. Um, So I'm now going to sing you a Dumpty Dum. And with any luck, William Parrott, hello. William Parrott, say hello. Hello. It's going to join in, but, you know, don't hope for much because he's not got much of a voice, really, except for screaming. So here we go. Dumpty 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 dum dumpty dumpty dum dum dumpty 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 dum dumpty diddly dum dumpty diddly dumpty diddly dum diddly dum dumpty 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 dum dumpty diddly dum Hello darling two to you as well and that's us William Parrot and me he was better than I was I'll speak to you again soon Bye Ah here we go you're right. like me, frantically scrolling up and down the screen, trying to yes, find out where I've the hell got, you are. I've got my synopsis of the week printed off. I've got Ooh, some notes on the you. calls. I know. Mr. So gonna... Mr. Homework. <laughs> <laughs> Roy feels very worried. He's giving me strict instructions. I'm to be good, but not too good. <laughs> <laughs> He's got nothing to worry about. They all love him. I know. Okay. Shall we go? Yes. We try this? Go on then. All right then. <laughs> This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the athletic touch rugby team that is Andrew Horn, and with me I have the unfortunate scrum that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our entirely unnecessary sporting event is you. 
Today's Dumpty Dum is a fantastic rendition by Auntie Jean and her parrot, William, with a lovely hello darling at the end from the parrot. <laughs> I did like that. I do think she should have told it to say, hello you two, can you imagine? <laughs> but yes. it would drive you mad. She would have to throttle the parrot within about a minute and a half, wouldn't she, once she'd taught it to do that. Yes, that would be good, wouldn't it? So, Lucy, can you remind our listeners how they can win the accolade of Dumpty Dummer of the Week? I can. If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or emigrate because someone's moved your mug tree. Ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Um, thanks also to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. It's getting chillier now, so he decided to help people get ready for winter. But being Derek, he didn't get permission before he waded in, and now he's in trouble for rotting out Auntie Christine's coal hole when she wasn't <laughs> expecting it. You can't rot out someone's coal hole without permission, that's what I say. Certainly not. It's kept me out of trouble. <laughs> as, as, this... as, a, as a life motto, it never rot out the <laughs> yes. coal hole without Always permission. ask permission. Yes. Before entering the coal hole. <laughs> on this week's episode, we have calls from Paul Douglas, who owns up to a crush on Helen. Michelle Lafferty, who has sympathy for Ruth. Claire from Scotland via Canada, who thinks Ruth needs help expressing herself. Jacqueline Berthaud, who thinks Pip is daddy's little girl. Miss Mid-City says Ruth's going too far, but not far enough. And Witherspoon and Nusilla, who both want a word with Pat. Finally, Vicky Cole who is incredulous with Alan. But first, before all that, let's hear about Lucy's week in Ambridge. Usha went round to Brookfield and it appeared to be Stir Up Monday. She let it slip that the entire village was coming round to Brooker's for a carol service or something, but no one had thought to mention it to Ruth, of course, who only lives there. <laughs> now that Ruth has talked to Jill and got her to come back and help her in the house, Ruth's complaining that Jill's come back and is helping her in the house. However, Jill is being fantastically irritating and moving everything around in Ruth's kitchen, which is the single most fury-making thing in the world. But this still doesn't quite explain Ruth's apparent regression to a stroppy 13-year-old. What's the matter? Nothing. No, tell me. No, it's fine. If you can't guess, I'm not going to say. Tony, <laughs> for the first time, stood up to Rob and said, No, I like my crappy old tables and I want to have them. So, no, no, no. It's quite difficult to argue with someone who has no idea you're psychotic and just blithely doesn't seem to notice your spitting fury. Good for you, Tony. I mean, I'm presuming you are now on Rob's hit list and you won't make it to Christmas, but you know, hurrah! So anyway, it's been lovely knowing you, Tony, and we look forward to finding your pelvis in a stylish clamp come New Year's Day. <laughs> uh, Susan is back in her element, doing a Lancashire accent that keeps sliding into Pakistani and having a go at Neil for sitting round in his pants for all to see. But she stopped moaning when Neil would discard a community asset, or rather the shop was which means they will now have the option to buy it next time Hazel the Slovene gets bored and decides to wind Piggy up yet again, which will no doubt be another long, drawn-out saga of nail-biting. Will they, won't they be able to afford it? But as long as it doesn't involve the sodding fair brethren, I don't mind. Phoebe has passed her theory driving test, which she passed bewilderingly by reading The Economist and The New Scientist, according to Jenny Darling. Uh, Adam reminisced with Charlie about getting his horn blown on New Year's Eve. Justin likes being associated with success, said Charlie wisely. As a business strategy, it's quite unusual, isn't it, that? As most of us prefer being associated with abject failure. I know I do. 
And talking of the Queen of the Albion, Jenny Darling has managed to foist her mouldy old kitchen onto someone finally. Yes, the jerry-built village hall is going to benefit from Lady Bountiful's mildewed U-bend. Ooh, how caned, as Linda would say. Uh, the shop is back. The village shop that, although the size of a cupboard under the stairs, seems to stock everything in the world. What are you looking for, Ashula? A pair of flip-flops size 5? Oh, yes. Just move the standard lamps and the self-assembly greenhouses and it's there, behind the postcards on the elephant's foot umbrella stands. The first rehearsal for the calendar happened. There is a difference between naked and nude, said Linda, importantly. The difference between the two, as far as I can tell, is how much you have paid for it. Some interior shots may be necessary, apparently. Good God, what kind of a calendar is this? Elizabeth helpfully pointed out that other productions had used all kinds of devices to hide behind. Artificial limbs, HRT patches and food mixers, probably. Susan and Neil enjoyed a giggly snog which foretold chilly night. If I am not mistaken, bet you any money it wasn't long before Neil was getting stuck into Susan's chimichanga. But what are we going to do when push comes to shove, said Lillian. Neil had to hurry out into the car park when he started imagining Kirsty and Jenny Darling pushing and shoving in the nip. Then Linda said she could tell which way the wind was blowing, which is another thing they're going to have to watch or they'll have that piano stool over. Anyway, Charlie heartily congratulated Adam on his forthcoming nuptials. He was cheerful and philosophical about it and paused only to kick the village hall down on his way home. Clary made an emotional appeal to Piggy in her official role as Hazel Wrangler. It didn't go awfully well, as emotional appeals go, so Clary's option is to put Joe down. It'll be sad, but they'll make sure he's got his special blanket and the vet will be very kind. I have a new drinking game I'm very much enjoying when the fair brethren feature. I wait until one calls the other one bro, or when one of them says it's a win-win, and then I imagine I'm forcing the fair brothers to drink weed killer. <laughs> Pip, in her unofficial role as entirely unpaid and mystifyingly <coughs> enthusiastic agent for the fair brethren, has now hauled them into her share farming scheme with Adam and is encouraging them to hold a rugby match on Brookfield land without asking anybody. Perfect. And then we ended, as we like to do, with a socially awkward family celebration. The Brookers clan, except Ben and Josh, who have died, nagged Ruth hilariously about holding everyone up while she finished her email announcing her intention to emigrate. Quite frankly, I am not entirely sure I blame her, and I hope she gets a bit of action down under to perk her up. Oh, no! The end. <laughs> we haven't had an oh, you know? no for ages, have we? No, we haven't. She stopped saying it because everyone used to take the mick, I think. <laughs> oh, it's very difficult not to interrupt you with laughing too much. I hope I didn't. Because <laughs> I'm normally sort of wandering across Waterloo Station or something when I'm listening to this. So I can sort of just, everyone thinks I'm mad laughing. But, uh, <laughs> Crazy laughing not, boy. That yes, means. not interrupting your flow. <laughs> I say it has been quite a week, hasn't it? Um, it has. I, I do think, I mean, I'm generally a great fan of Jill. And I'm a great fan of, has everyone's best interest in heart, at mm. heart. But. When she went in on Friday and says, I'm not coming to interrupt you, oh. what are you doing? I actually did think, now, come yeah. on, you have crossed the line yeah. Line there. I mean, moving the mug tree, yes, uh, yes I, irritating and it's your kitchen. But, but that one was too far. So, yes. Mm, naughty well, Jill. Um, I think we've got a big, big range of callers. Lots of things will, uh, will, will come out during the call. So shall we move yes. on to the calls and we can uh, pick up on things as they go? Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who have we got first then? First, we have Paul Douglas. 
Hello Dumpty Dum, my name is Paul, Paulie D 1107 on Twitter. I am a first time caller in In an effort at keeping with the branding, I am drinking tea from my Dumpty Dum mug and sitting here in my Dumpty Dum t-shirt. Just my Dumpty Dum t-shirt, mind. I'm one of the apparently many elected councillors listening to the podcast, so if you are ever in need of a podcast political pundit, you know where to come. I'm an archer's novice, having only been listening for nine years since 2006. The first main storyline I remember was Ruth and Sam. My secret crush has always been Helen. I seem to be sadly drawn to women who need fixing, and Helen is certainly one of those. I love the odd couple relationship between Jimmus and Jazza, and just wish there was more of it. The character I least like is Linda, the self-important, interfering busybody, and can't understand all the love she gets. Anyway, I went to the Dumpty Dum dinner on Saturday, and it was lovely to put faces to names. I will name-check the lovely Catherine, Kim and Sam, as I was on the same table as them, and not forgetting Derek in the back bedroom, of course. In terms of a plot prediction of sorts, I think the reason that Rob doesn't want Helen to meet his parents is they know about the string of baby girls that he has fathered in his attempt to sire a male heir. I also find myself feeling sympathetic to Ruth. Coming to terms with becoming an orphan amongst the smug and self-entitled Archer clan is bad enough, but also having your husband replace you with your daughter is enough to make anybody feel unloved. Keep up the good work. I love the podcast and Royceville's other work, but he is sadly deluded in thinking Marvel is better than DC. Bye. Hates Linda. Loves Helen. Mm. Well, leaving aside the loving Helen bit, Paul, <laughs> which I find slightly disturbing. Um, although if you could canter in and rescue her yes. right now, that would be pretty fabulous. Exactly. If he, if he's, he needs to swoop in like Superman. And, he does. Uh, yes. In his pants. Because that's all he's... Oh, no, he's, he's only wearing a T-shirt. He he's only wearing a pants. T-shirt, yes. Put on your pants, Paul, and swoop in. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, he hates Linda. It's quite controversial. The thing is, I hate during the course of the Christmas play. I hate Linda, and during the course of any campaigning of any description, I hate Linda. The rest of the time, I really like Linda. I just have to kind of suppress my urge to strangle her when she starts doing her her Sunningdale voice. That's what I can't bear. Yes. Are you a Linda fan? I'm similar to you on Linda. Actually, Uh, she can get right up your nose. but she is, I, I, well, I think this year or maybe the last few years, she's got much better during the casting uh, season at playing the reverse psychology. Yes. So the way she says to someone, oh, no, you can't possibly do that role. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it's beneath you. Or yeah. uh, the way she played, um, who was it this Kirst- time? Was it Kirsty or Susan? It she managed Susan. to persuade Susan into it, didn't she? When yes. Susan was resolutely, I'm, there's no way. Uh, and not trying to do it in, all in the one meeting. She'll say, no, I absolutely agree with you. And then she'll come back a couple of days <laughs> later on a different angle. And <laughs> I, am, I have enjoyed that because I think she is, she's learning how to, how to get her way. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm more in favour of Linda than, than, than against her. I do think they should send Linda and uh, Jenny Darling in to sort out ISIS. I think if anyone can do it, they can, quite frankly. <laughs> Although Linda's sniff has gone missing. It has. But then she's everything's going her way. She only does the sniff when things yeah. aren't going her way. But at sure. the moment, she's, you know, when she did that ridiculous thing about, um, I will be taking on the role of producer-director, or, you know, producer-director, lead actor and musician and everything else. You know, she just loves it. And you think, oh, Linda, shut up. Mm. Although it was nice the way she got reversed into a corner. 
Oh, about uh, the getting a kit off. Yes. 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 Uh, so Ha-ha. That was funny. Yes, Paul. Um, First time caller in Yes. That's because I bullied him into it. Paul, at the um, at the Dumpty Dum dinner, which you so shamefully failed to attend. Well, I, I had tickets to go and see Jeeves and Wooster. Oh, was it good? Theatre. It, it, it was the one that Stephen Mangum was in, um, but it's people now. It's on tour around the provinces, so because it, uh, I saw I saw that, but without Stephen Mangum, I saw someone else doing it, and I didn't like it. Didn't you? No, I liked the whole conceit of a play within a play, and uh, yeah. the uh, the other two playing lots of different parts, yeah. and, and the way Wooster looks surprised when uh, Jeeves comes back through the door because he was under the bed thirty seconds ago. Yes. Um, so I, yeah, it was a jolly romp. Not not the best play I've seen, but yeah, jolly romp. I think because I am, um, my sister and I went to see it, and we're both completely obsessed with Jeeves and Worcester, uh, well, with yes. P.G. Woodhouse in general, and we know lots of it off by heart. And when they bugger around with the dialogue, we kept doing that ridiculous, you know, when you're a real geek about something thing of going, oh no, that's not how, <laughs> that's not how you should say that, or that's not how whatever, and sort of we basically ruined it for ourselves. I think is the. Is the upshot yeah. of that, uh, but you know we probably should have. You know, you should, if you're that passionate about something, probably don't go and see it, really, mm-hmm. because there's only going to be a gigantic gap between what you're imagining and what there is. But I thought yes. I did love the bit where he went flying out when he nearly went flying out the window <laughs> when his when his leg was tied to the thing or whatever. He was holding onto the sheets and he suddenly shot forward and nearly went out the window. Oh, that was very funny. Uh, and having spode as a giant as well. That, yes, that worked. Yes. I mean, anyway. That was my excuse for missing the event. Well, I'm all right. Very then. sorry, people. I will try and be at the next one. Yes. But Paul Douglas was my body man at the event and made sure that I didn't get lost, go wandering off or anything else. Is very good. Uh, yes, he is a first time caller in as is Michelle. And he did all the right things, didn't he? He told he us did. what he was and everything. Very he good. He told us everything. Although there yeah. was some stuff at the end that didn't mean about... any sense to me about Marvel and Marvel. DC. And... I know. Well, we leave that one to Roy. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Best, best move along. <laughs> see you there. Uh, Michelle Lafayette, um, another first-time caller in a row. Hello, Lucy and Royfield. This is Michelle from Rhode Island. Um, I'm a psychotherapist. I treat people with anxiety, panic, and PTSD. And I've been a lurker for about a year. And I've been listening to The Archers since 2013 when Chris got kicked by the horse. I just want to call in because the Ruth story took a turn for me this week, and I was really um, interested in how differently I'm thinking about it now. But it really seems like the script writers are setting this Ruth and David storyline up against the Robin Helen storyline. And, you know, the big difference being that David is not a jerk. <laughs> He's sort of a, a nice regular guy who sort of recommitted himself to the farm. But the way he seems to sort of operate is it's his farm. And um, I had thought of Ruth as being pretty whiny, but now I sort of see how when her life is seemingly out of control, now she's also losing her primary work identity and having some control over the business they both run. So, you know, Rob and Helen are working together on this business as well. And even though David is not intentionally sidelining her, he is sort of saying, well, you're too busy. Uh, You were going through too many emotions. So I wanted you to take it easy. And that's just that is just really hitting me wrong <laughs> this week. Um, but I must say I was pretty gleeful uh, hearing Tony set a boundary with Rob and it almost made all the previous years cringing worth it for that episode. So that's been pretty fun. Anyway, thanks for the show. It's 
totally enjoyable and I, I love listening to it on my commute. Um, thanks. Bye. Absolutely, Michelle. And I was, yes, what? Yes, another and a, and a Rhode Island psychotherapist. So we are. Did she we say are... Rhode Island? I, I thought, thought she said Bird Island. I was. Oh, thinking, maybe she said Bird Island. Is Where's Bird? Island? I think I just made up Bird Island. Nobody would live on. But sounds like something out of the Famous Five. Uh-huh. Nobody would live on Bird Island for crying out loud. But we are picking up professionals in that line of work from over the pond. Yes, I think they prob- could probably see some sort of intervention required for Roy and me. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing the psychotherapy equivalent of ambulance chasing. I think. Maybe it's required um, listening for on courses over there. <laughs> Two megalomaniac narcissists yakking on about the arches. She's talking about Ruth losing her identity. And I think you're exactly right. There is it is highlighted with the Helen and Rob thing. Somebody on the Archers script writing team is fantastically feminist at the moment, and I feel like jumping up and down and clapping a lot. Um there is that similar thing between Rob and and Helen as there is between David and Ruth only they're kind of showing the extreme of it which is Rob and Helen and then they're showing the actual day-to-day domestic this is what gender roles can force you into which is Mm. David and Pitt um uh, Ruth Ruth. oh Freudian slip there um (laughs) and and what he's saying what David's saying basically is don't I'll you just do the emotion and I'll do the practical stuff yes I I you know, I hadn't made that connection until Michelle pointed it out um, th- that they are both, in effect, telling their other halves just to take it easy. Mm. Um, and I suppose the difference must be from their from their starting points because I do see David's attempt as really just trying to be helpful, and mm. Rob's as being controlling. Mm. Um, and I know, I think it's Claire. We come on to Claire later, and and about wrapping in cotton wool, and mm. and, and I get all of that, but. Yeah, I, I hadn't I hadn't made the parallel uh, in my mind. And I think Michelle's got a real point there. But when you are preoccupied or when you are anxious or when you are grieving, it's really nice to take your mind off things. You don't want to sit and wallow because it doesn't make it any better. You can't change or fix what's happened. So, you you know, just as a man would say, I just need to take my mind off it. Women do the same thing. But apparently we are supposed to just sit and weep until we stop weeping. That seems to be David's sort of just sit there and, and cry. And then when you're human again, I'll get on with ignoring you, which is kind of, uh, you know, it's it's and, he, and he's just sort of terrified of things he can't control and emotion he doesn't understand and everything else. He's just a bit kind of he's just a bit of a plank in emotional terms, isn't he? Yeah. So he just. He, he's farm centric, as we said in the last mm. few weeks. He likes to do to solve things by wading in and helping. Anything goes wrong in the village, he wants to be there. Like you know, in the flood, he yeah. and the committee afterwards, and you know, he's sort of voice of the village and and sort of gets on and and does it and likes to sort sort people's problems out for them that way, but not in a come down the pub, you know, spill your heart out to me and I'll. Uh, you know, I'll I'll talk to you yeah. and and listen to you and uh, and and let you download. It's more more of the practical thing, and that's yeah. that's quite a sort of a blokey thing, isn't it? Really. And I suppose there's nothing practical he can do here. It just is, he, and he's just feeling incredibly guilty and thinks, well, the less she does, surely that will mean the 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 better she will feel. And it doesn't work like that. Yes. So he's he's completely misread. Yeah. She needs. Yeah. In, in the. Uh, 
you know, in, in the situation and complicated by the way Pips stood stood up. But we'll come back to Pip later on um, with one of the other calls. And, and it, what it did make me think about David and Rob, and we approach it differently because of where we think their starting point is. But and I'm probably going to get shot. I can sense <laughs> the diva daggers coming at me now. But <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. And then duck. Um, does Rob think he's doing a David or is Rob really trying to control? Does he just think he that wrapping Helen in cotton wool is what she needs? Well, he, I, I keep going. That's his, sanitar- that's his sanitized version of what he thinks <clears throat> she needs. But he his motivation, it's 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 the motivation that's different, isn't it? He wants to control. David doesn't want to control. David just wants an easy life and he's panicking because he doesn't understand what it is Ruth wants. And so, David's got the farm and the birthright. Rob, Rob's trying to get yes, Bridge yeah, Farm. Yeah, and also he just he just needs to, as we said last week, he just needs to control everything he sees. Yeah, and, and just what I remember, um, talking about Rob and the, the precedent of... Uh, Ruth running away because it was Rob who sent Tom away yeah and at the time I didn't really think you know much was he meddling in trying to send him away but maybe that was the start of his plans to yeah absolutely hands on bridge farm it was yeah because he's got he Rob thinks like a lot of these people he thinks of this type of people he thinks of people in tribal terms Mm. and he sees Tony as the silverback the tribal elder who's now fading into the background he sees Tom as his threat to um, alpha male control of the farm. Yeah. And, yeah. and and so he gets rid of him. And that's, I think Tom is, Tom's, where the hell has Tom been? Tom's been silent for about a month. Or so. Yes. And we missed, we missed Sausage Week. Sausage Week was a couple <laughs> of weeks ago. And I had to, I don't know where How it was. How in God's name media. did you know it was Sausage Week? I don't know. It must have been something on Facebook or Twitter or something I saw, but not on the Archers. Nothing to do with sausages whatsoever to be honest though we've had so much about flipping sausage wheat and, and ready meals and all that i don't think anyone could bear listening to tom wittering even if it is a different tom yeah. wittering on about sausages and ready meals anymore ah next call is similar claire from scotland via canada hello dumpty dumps claire from scotland via canada here calling because i think like so many people i'm frustrated with the ruth storyline um I don't find it at all convincing that there's any kind of crisis between her and David at the moment because we've been given no evidence really prior to now that there is one and she's been heard to say, oh, well, it all started back during the miscarriage. I don't think it did. What did start then, and what I think has been consistently done, is Ruth's reaction to grief. She grieves by doing things, if that makes sense. She needs to be involved in life around her to emotionally move on from where she is at a given moment. For reasons best known to the scriptwriters... She has spectacularly failed to convey this to everyone at Brookfield, which is, I think, why nobody at Brookfield has processed this particular piece of information vital to the makeup of Ruth. I hope that's why they haven't, because there is no right or wrong way to do coping with a death. And clearly, the archers of Brookfield do coping by wrapping one another in cotton wool, and that's very much not what Ruth needs. But I would really like her to tell them that that's not what she needs, and to tell them emphatically what she does need, because... While being wrapped in cotton wool would drive me mad, the thing that is currently driving me mad is actually the way they are handling this plotline. I don't want to be left to my own devices to psychoanalyse Ruth. I want it to be there somewhere in the plot. And I know they can do it because they've done a spectacular job of writing the emotional underlay of Helen and Rob. So if they could balance the two of them, I would be an exceedingly happy listener. And, well, admittedly, I'd have less 
caused to call in to you, but I'd certainly continue listening. Yes. Why does Ruth not say what she wants? I think it is because Ruth does not know what she wants. Apart from blind fury with her family. I think it's unresolved anger from the from the move to Prudder that never happened. The abrupt changing of the mind of David. And I think the flood happened and she had to kind of swallow all that and just say, swallow being cross and just say, it's fine, it's fine. I'm really glad you're okay. I'm really glad. Thank you for saving the village. Blah, 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 blah. But that anger has to go somewhere. You, it doesn't just dissipate. You can kind of squash it while you're, you know, uh, grateful that somebody's still alive or whatever. But it does come back. And I think what she's suffering with now or dealing with now is uh, misguided anger from that, really. She never, ever said to David, have you any idea how bloody furious I am with you for messing everybody around in the way that you did, making a unilateral decision and not telling me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I think that has more credibility to it than the going back to the miscarriage. Yes. Um, I I didn't get that. No. that's sort of too far back without any signposts or yeah. uh, anything along the along the way. Um, but it is so awful that David is talking to Pip and his mother about his problems with Ruth. Yes. My God, that's I was thinking, are you mad, man? What is the matter with you? you well, he's you confided know. in his mother before, but but Pip, that's crossing a line, really. Yeah, it really is. You know, you just keep quiet and you deal with it. You wash your own, you wash your dirty linen in private, sort of thing. Not. You know, she if she finds out about that, she will abs- she won't come back. Mm. Well, certain people would be happy, wouldn't they? I know, quite <laughs> a few people. <laughs> judging by Twitter, <laughs> but I did the the whole sort of wrapping in cotton wool, Claire. I thought that was uh, that was very uh, very good, and and she did tell the scriptwriters off. It sounded very very uh, stern. I thought. Uh, about the script writers and what they need to do to yeah. uh, to get themselves back on track. Well, yeah, it's like Roy says though. It's it there's because of the depth of um, backstory and and subtlety that's gone into Rob and Helen. Everyone mm. else feels a bit spray painted on, don't they? It's yes. kind of we don't have any depth because there's so much depth there. It's just like everyone else is just like, oh, they're having a bit of a row about something. We haven't got time to go into that anyway. There you are done. Off next, yeah. you know. <laughs> Hi there, it's Jacqueline Berto from Sanguen in France. Been thinking about that David and Pip relationship and uh, comparing it with Adam and Brian. Adam's had to fight his way into the farm and he still, still kind of battles with Brian, but they also have that kind of bantery, jolly side of the relationship which we saw one day this week. Whereas David and Pip's relationship is very different. Yeah, I know she's younger and she's newer to farming, but she's really is still Daddy's little girl. He's, I think he's sort of started to replace Ruth with Pip on the farm, which obviously, for obvious reasons, because she was off in Prudder and dealing with Heather, etc. But, but personally, I think she's being um, handed it all on a plate. I'm talking about Pip now, sorry. Uh, she's kind of been handed it all on a plate, which means it'll all end badly. Um But on a completely other subject, I am beginning to get really, really angry with Pat. But also with Helen. When she said that, thank you for not getting angry with me about uh, the speeding fine, well, I could have smacked her. Then after the bump in the car, Pat jumped right into Bob's sidelining of Helen plans. Oh, makes me want to spit. Jacqueline Berteau says Pip has been handed it all on a plate. Yes, she has. I think that Ruth, my plot prediction is that Ruth is going to go away 
And I think that something is going to go spectacularly wrong with this rugby thing somehow mm-hmm. because she hasn't mentioned it to anybody. And I think millions of hoorays are going to descend on Brookers and start doing their rugby thing all over the place and churn up all the land because it makes a hell of a mess rugby doesn't it yes i don't know whether where they're going to do this sort of touch well she said here or he said one of the fair brethren said here but did that mean is there a little sort of now they've brought the geese in yeah in the uh, geese are they going to do them on the paddock where they had the geese in which case yeah every time they fall over i know mouthful of their uh, armpits in in goose doo-doo goose (laughs) doo-doo Oh, it's not like Roy for all. He wouldn't have said goose doo-doo. I have to say. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, anyway, I think that's all going to go very wrong. And uh, David is going to say, what the hell were you doing? And then he's going to remember that actually she is not his contemporary. She is his child. She is only 21 or whatever it is. She has never been an independent farmer without having lots of money and uh, parental support to back it up. And um, he will, Ruth will come back and he will appreciate her. Mm. And the whole thing will all be wrapped up in three weeks. I think Pip will get a bit distracted by her beef with Adam. As do you her mean her enterprise. beef with Adam as in the gangway, or you mean... No, I think she'll be over there the doing cows. so much of that yes. that she won't be pulling her weight at Brooker's. Right. And, uh, and then David will turn around and realise, hang on a second, what am I missing? Yeah. And then there'll be lots of... We'll have to endure lots of calls to New Zealand... Ruth, yes. come back, come yes. back. I miss you, love. <laughs> I can hear the I'm getting depressed already. <sighs> I reckon Sam the cowman's out there waiting for Ooh. her with his insemination device. <laughs> yeah, she was very disappointed at, at she not was. being Just, able she's, to... Uh... She clearly gets a lot out of the insemination, doesn't she? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. <sighs> um, I've just got images of her wandering like a lost soul around the farm with a syringe full of bull seeds, <laughs> wondering what she's supposed to do with it you know <sighs> Jacqueline is also very very cross with Pat yes and Helen there's lots of smacking and spitting going on yes um but <laughs> Pat's reference is uh, and the throwback to the 2006 car crash that I'd completely forgotten yeah and and I think the this is where the archers are good in that they bring back into all those people who, who weren't listening in 2006 or like... Oh, me, yes, we ought to tell people what happened. ...have completely forgotten. Well, they posted this week on oh. their Facebook page a, uh, a summary back of what happened at the car crash and a clip of the actual when she knocked uh, Mike over. So they have put that back up there. And it is a good way of, of reinforcing the... Um, the history of the and the backstory of the uh, of, of the characters, so you can understand Pat, with the, which I didn't at the time until until I read this later on. I thought, well, that sort of backs up why Pat has this sort of reaction about, oh, don't drive when you're stressed, because last time after um, Greg's death, it all went. She she had completely mishandled herself on the road, and she's not good at at at, um, at coping with stress. And the other thing with Pat. And the comment, uh, we'll maybe pick that up later about why, uh, as part of uh, Witherspoon's, oh, I'll do it now, now I'm started, about <laughs> Pat, why you know, she's a strong feminist. Is she threatened by Helen? Um, and why does she treat her like her little girl? But <clears throat> we've got to remember that when Helen was born, 
she was very very ill she was in a full body cast for months spinal operations like again i can't remember the details um but you know she was uh, a little sort of china doll mm. baby wasn't she mm. so she did need lots of ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Of special care. And, and, and maybe that's hardwired into Pat's reactions to Helen the whole time. And also, I think Pat needs to keep Helen young because it means she's sort of frozen in time like John. That she's kind of... Mm. Helen hasn't moved on. She doesn't. There's a, there's a resistance for her in everybody aging, everybody getting, uh, everything changing, leaving people behind. Because John won't grow old. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a there's an element of that, <clears throat> possibly. Um, yeah, I've never seen Twitter react in the way that it did when Pat said maybe you shouldn't be driving. It just yes. went absolutely bonkers, and I was going, Pat, what are you doing? I think partly as well. She's trying to convince herself that Helen is as happy as Helen keeps telling everybody she is or was telling everybody she is. She's stopped that now, thank goodness. Um, and I think I think Pat is relieved that Helen has found somebody that Pat is under the impression is a good thing for her. Mm. You know? and, and if you think about the roles at Bridge Farm, Pat is the optimist. She has to be the optimist, yes. balance out Tony's <laughs> pessimism, <laughs> yeah. which we've thankfully not seen much of recently. But, you know, all the way through their life together, Pat's been that, you know, come yeah. on, we'll make it through. Yeah. yeah, it's not that bad. And Tony's, woe is me. Yeah. The glass is empty and it's all it's all going to end in doom. Not only is the glass empty, but it's gone all damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're all doomed. <laughs> Yeah. So yes, it's a it's a sad old time, and I, as we keep saying, please stop it soon, and it will. We've kind of yeah. bottled up all those calls all together, but that's all right. That's um, all right. Uh, Miss Mid City. Hi, it's Miss Mid City. I am just trying to process Ruth's bombshell announcement that she is going to New Zealand. I've listened to the episode on Catch Up 
I, I was left thinking, where the hell did that come from? It's not without precedent, because Tom ran off after his, uh, his non-marriage to Kirsty, ran off to Canada with a bit of help. But Ruth going to New Zealand because she is sad, she is unhappy in her marriage, she feels surplus to requirements on the farm, and she has been bereaved recently. And the only way to get her head clear is to be on the other side of the world. Uh-huh. Makes no sense to me. Probably completely logical in her mind. And you know something, Ruth? Go, but please don't come back. Please don't. It's just a ridiculous thing to do. I'm, I'm thinking now it must be because the, the actress is going to be out of action for a, for a period of time. That's if she actually does go. And I am, I'm, I'm willing, willing her to, to stick to her guns and be gone because I don't need her toxicity as well as the toxicity coming from Rob. Don't need a double dose of it. Now, be gone, Ruth. And if New Zealand wasn't, in, you know, New Zealand's not far enough, you know, so it's Black Spirit suggested on the forum. Yeah, next stop, the moon. Please. I think it is logical that, actually, that uh, Ruth would want to run away and get as much distance. Uh, the thing you always think when you want to run away, it seems like a good idea, and then you realise that you have to take yourself with you. And then you think, ah, well, really, if the problem is me and I'm running away, I'm running away and I'm still here. Um, it's yes, not, I'm not sure it's going to help her. No, it's not where she... She thinks it's where she is that's the problem. But it isn't. It's what's happening to, to her as an individual. But I do think going off to do something by herself because she hasn't had any time to to just be on her own be by herself be you know she's been worrying about her mum for ages and then she's having to deal with the archers clan and all the stuff with kenton kicking off and everything that kind of isn't about her really so if she wants to go off and get a bit of i mean i'm not sure going to new zealand is you know but if that opportunity presented itself i can see why she would want to to go really yeah i it's the practicalities that sort of niggled me. You know, she's not got probate yet. So still got to sort all that out. So she hasn't got the money come through. So if she'd done that, and, and also she said, right, I want to do something for me now. Um, I've had a horrible year. I'm going to go, I'm having a sabbatical. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go and study dairy techniques in New Zealand. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, makes sense. But she can't just run away now. She's not sorted, she's not sorted probate. She's not sorted. And also, what about the boys? Yes. You know, two weeks ago, apparently, they couldn't feed themselves and were going to starve to death. Yes. And and although, how old is Josh? I don't, well, he seems to, the way that they talk about him, it seems to be this sort of sliding thing. One minute he's all, you know, excited about something in quite a childish way. The next minute she's, oh, he's not interested in helping me do that because he's da 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 No, that's Ben, isn't it? The little one. Yeah. But but Josh is supposedly... 15? No, he's just passed his driving test, hasn't he? I don't, don't know why I didn't call in that week. There must have been something happening. I think it was the week I started my new job. But when he went up to drive the van down from Prudder with all the, on his own, yeah. with all Heather Pett's yeah. um, belongings, you know, he's, he wouldn't get insurance to drive a van on his own if he's just passed his test and he's not over 21. I'm, I'm sounding a bit, it's a lot, all the practicalities are coming out now. <laughs> I just... You are sounding very Cosmo. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> My inner Cosmo. Um, 
it just it, it annoyed me at the time, and yeah. I just I must have got distracted and didn't didn't uh, didn't uh, sort of call it out. But um, the boys have gone missing anyway. Yes, they've just say. vanished, gone mute, vanished, died. Who yeah. knows? But I think Miss Mid City, I did, you, you, you're sounding very Old Testament this week. <laughs> Be gone. <laughs> Be gone with you. Uh, we had several begones. I was chuckling away when I when I uh, heard that. That was uh, good. But, you know, d- d- they're all going to... You can't just decide to do that. And I thought, well, it's not like making unilateral decisions that upset other people. It's, it's not the exclusive <laughs> province of David, is it? You know, we can all do that. Hello, Lucy and Royfield and everyone. I hope you can hear the crickets again. I know in the overall scheme of all things Archers related, this is really trivial, but it it annoyed me, it irritated me. How do the script writers think that Alan has managed to get a cathedral choir to come to a little village church on Christmas Eve? It's just not realistic. Ah, sorry, annoyed with the script writers. Bye. Uh, Vicky Cole called in from Kenya again with the crickets in the background. It's great. We've had parrots and crickets this week. It's fantastic. Um, yes, I could hear the crickets this yeah, week. I know. She says another plot hole. <clears throat> well, how, this... how did Alan get a cathedral choir to come to Ambridge on Christmas Eve? Well, I agree. As a former cathedral chorister, there's no way you will be wandering far from your own uh, patch on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Very, very... Uh, busy so yes completely wrong but talking about plot holes i i missed that completely unless it was last night sunday which i haven't listened to i i didn't hear that this week i, I didn't hear it Alan was like... right at the... no it was it was the first it was the first scene of monday it was oh i'm so sad oh, it so... was when um usha went to visit ruth and said oh yes well oh. is coming to the cathedral you know the cathedral choir oh it was usha yes <clears throat> Uh, not Alan. No. Usher, saying that Alan had booked it. Yeah. Right. Slipped me by that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it would. if, if I had realised it, I would have uh, exercised my ire as well. So. If you're a chorister, when you were a mm. chorister, what time do you start on Christmas Eve? Well, the whole the whole week. Run Where were you a chorister? Which, which cathedral? Uh, Christchurch, Oxford. Ah, okay. There. It's actually a great time for choristers because all the rest of the school go home. And the week, uh, no lessons. Uh, all you're doing is singing, but you're still uh, you're still living at school. Um, so you're just like you and fifteen other brothers and um, playing games when you're not singing and being. And everyone feels very sorry for you, poor poor choristers. And, <laughs> uh, so and you're having taken, a whale of a time secretly. We got taken to the cinema, to different parties, to fire stations and police stations. They take us and really, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. So little sort of treats there are loads of carol services loads of uh, and, and all ordinary services but christmas eve we had a big carol service cathedral packed um a bit like the um how old were you what goes on uh started at eight till i was 13 so you missed christmas eve with your family yeah and christmas day we had to stay till lunchtime so two services christmas morning and then mum and dad would collect me and I would open my stocking on the M40 driving back to <laughs> Buckinghamshire. Did it was great? I did. Just don't did you? Feel did you not it's miss a wonderful it? Wonderful thing. It became. Mum and Dad would come up for the carol service on Christmas Eve, so it was great. And then we'd have the dean's party afterwards, and um, and, uh, and then the services Christmas Day. It's it's great. It's, it's I feel sorry. The Westminster Abbey boys have to stay and do Evensong on Christmas Day. And I always felt a bit sorry for them. I had a, a friend of mine who was who was a chorister there, but um, we could go on at lunchtime on Christmas Day. We'd be home, and then we'd eat sort of five o'clock Christmas Day. So 
That was fine. It was great. Anyway, mm. you there. <laughs> I'm not sending you to sleep with my no. things. No, 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 I'm interested. It yeah. seems it seems very harsh for little boys to miss their not be with their families on Christmas Eve. Mm. Mm. I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> or some people may say that's where it all started going wrong. Yes. <laughs> So I, 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 but I did enjoy uh, Miss Mid City's uh, um, Old Testament Begones and next stop the move moon <laughs> the move Ruth on the moon. <laughs> right. uh, I think I think um, Nozilla's call actually goes into the same one as Witherspoons goes with Witherspoons. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Alison or Nozilla sixty three as I am on Twitter here. Um, I haven't phoned in for absolutely ages, so I thought this week I would. Initially, I just wanted to say thank you for last week. It was such a fantastic opportunity to meet fellow Dumpty Dummers and Archer's listeners um, and just to have a chat about the programme that we so much enjoy. Um, it was lovely. And I'm really sorry, Royfield, that I didn't get a chance to chat with you. And I hope to rectify that at the next available opportunity. Um, but it was lovely to have a little few minutes or a few minutes with, with Lucy. And brilliant, actually, just to speak to so many people who don't think that you're completely bonkers when you're Want to talk about the archers but that wasn't my main reason for phoning in my main reason this week was to talk about the storylines concerning pat and ruth i like many others are becoming increasingly irritated frustrated anxious annoyed billy is appropriate with the helen and rob storyline but what is irritating me more than ever at the moment is the complete character turnaround that we're having from pat This week, she even sided with Rob and agreed that Helen should perhaps stop driving. I just find that just unbelievable. It is so out of character. This is not the the Pat that we know. I, I did believe at first that maybe she was doing it because she thought that Helen needed her support. Um, and then if Helen thought that she believed in Rob, that would help. But I can't believe that she hasn't seen through that now, that she doesn't realise how difficult Helen is finding all of this. And to agree that Helen should now give up driving because she's pregnant is just beyond the pale. Speaking of messing about with characters, I was almost apoplectic with rage on uh, Friday evening's episode when um, Ruth calmly announced that she was off to New Zealand. I mean, do the scriptwriters really think we are that gullible? New Zealand? It's the other side of the world. I I understand that Pat has been, um, that Ruth has been through a lot recently, and I understand that she is perhaps feeling that it's all a bit much. She's lost her mum. She's got Jill moving back into Brookfield. She's feeling ousted by David and Pip. And let's be honest, who wouldn't? But New Zealand? It's just ridiculous. I couldn't decide whether to get so angry or whether to just laugh. Um, in the end, I ended up doing a bit of both. Anyway, the only thing that saved this last week's episodes, I think, was the um, lovely repartee between Susan and Neil. Um, I thought it was a bit sad that they're nicking all the best lines and not leaving any of any of them for those of us on Twitter. But there you go. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. 
Greetings, Lucy Royfield and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, wishing you a happy American Thanksgiving. We've been waiting for a 20-pound Grundy bird, but now realize that it's actually the customs agents who will be dining on Ambridge's fine fowl. Quite a lot to consider this week. First, I thought your joint analysis of Rob in the last Dumpty Dum was spot on. Well done for Tony standing up to Rob's bullying, and if it weren't for Tony being his father-in-law, I think Rob's hair-trigger temper may have led to a sock in the nose, like that photographer at the hunt received. And then, of course, frazzled Helen getting into an accident. Yes, we get the point that bad things keep happening to her, so Rob can further take away her independence. But to be betrayed by her own mother, a few episodes back I wondered about the relationship between Pat and Helen. Pat, the strong woman who juggles being a wife, mother, organic farmer, businesswoman, and community activist who treats her adult daughter like a child. Is it only out of concern for her well-being? But is it also because she feels threatened by someone else being successful at multitasking? One more thing about Rob. His reasons for not going to Adam's wedding were so obviously hypocritical considering his affair with Helen, it was a wonder that even Helen didn't call him out on it. And I am worried that he will blow up the nuptials at the last minute by spilling the beans about Charlie and Adam. Maybe that is what will turn the family against him. Until that scene between Helen and Rob, I had full confidence in Adam and Ian tying the knot, but now I'm not so sure. And prior to the 7.15 Friday surprise, I had this good analogy between Helen and Ruth planned. Both of them have been feeling disempowered. Helen suffers in silence, and her growing number of mistakes reflects the strength of her inner conflicts. On the other hand, Ruth was beginning to open up and talk about her feelings of being left out, and I thought that she and David would work things out. But then Ruth goes and uses the nuclear option. She's leaving David and the children and getting as far away from the Archer family as possible. Well, I'm sure she'll be returning in the not-too-distant future. Maybe New Zealand was on her bucket list. Again, does anyone in this village consider going to a therapist? And as I said before, the scriptwriters have certainly gone out of their way to create a crisis when some obvious communication between husband and wife could have averted this. Now, on a lighter side, if all the women in the cast, including Linda, are going topless, why didn't they turn to Neil and request that he do so as well? And if we have our own calendar and Royfield agrees to take off his top, then I will follow suit. Heck, Angus will do the full nude. It's much more artful than naked. Royfield, what do you think? Witherspoon and Angus Haggis, waiting for your answer and signing off. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. That there were a lot of clues for there are a lot of clues around for pat to pick up about how helen's feeling like when she said oh no i don't want to go home i'm fine here she said well you can work from home and she said oh no i'm I'm better off coming in here and everything and pat's not picking up any of them and i think pat is willfully not picking up any of them because she's still hoping against hope that rob is the answer for helen rather than just another disastrous chapter in the story of helen um with a spoon was going to uh as offered his services and, oh yes uh, for the calendar angus in his arty nude uh, but yeah. we'll let uh, royfield respond to that yes one. yes you better check with angus whether or not he's happy because he will have to sign some co- some kind of consent form <laughs> to be 
to be taken without his collar on. <laughs> We're giving Royfield. It's like if you go to if you don't turn up at a meeting, don't be surprised if you get all the actions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Royfield, you've got to go back to Paul Douglas on uh, Marvel and DC. You've got to get back to Witherspoon on yeah. the uh, the calendar. And we've also put you down to run the raffle as well. All right. <laughs> yes. Good. Next. <laughs> Ah, dearie me. So, um, are we going to have a break for our sponsors? And uh, I I refuse to drink camp coffee. I'm sorry, wife, but um, I've got some nice uh, Colombian. Have you? I thought you sounded perky. (laughs) (laughs) Colombian free trade. I'll have a a bit of that. And what are you you on today? Uh, I'm also on the Colombian free trade. (laughs) 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 It's too early in the morning. Uh, Coffee, yes. Good. And then a bit of a bit of Millie Bell from Down Under. It's the story of a cultural superpower that danced and sprinted its way to success. It brought the world reggae, Colin Powell, Rastas, Hip Hop, Bob Marley and much more. Its story is told to you in full colour for your podcasting ears. It's the story of how Jamaica conquered the world. Search for it on iTunes. How Jamaica conquered the world. It's probably the best least known podcast in podcastdom. Search for it today. Um, my name is Kate. My name's Joe. My name's Nicola. My name is Suzanne Hakimi. My name is Mary Parkinson. I'm in Hope House as a client. Um, I have had addiction issues um, throughout Hope my House, life, um, um, including an eating disorder, heroin, crack, um, addiction drink, to drugs, methadone, and alcohol. I'm here because it got really bad. At long last, A Thousand and One Conversations is available to download from iTunes and all good podcatchers. This was a place where women worked to help other women. Hello, just a quickie. Sarah Smith's cloths are really useful. If you soak them in gin, they make a marvellous Molotov cocktail if you ever get the desire to burn down a yurt. Sarah Smith, for the posher washer. Fancy getting your mouth around something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on? Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. G'day everyone. After a really slow week last week, this week just went bananas, absolute bananas on Facebook. I almost couldn't keep up. There was certainly lots to talk about this week. And uh, we'll start with Linda Curtis from Artist Omnibus Appreciation. She said, I think Helen may be planning something to maybe get away from Rob eventually with the children. She is standing up to him and doing what she wants to do as far as work goes. I may be wrong, though. We will have to wait and see. The sound of Rob's voice gives me the creeps. Very cleverly acted. And the reason I read that post was I do think it is really cleverly acted as well. Uh, Lavender Lovejoy said, finally, someone is standing up to Rob. I found that very satisfying. This was a really common theme. People love Tony standing up to Rob. Ruth Simpson in The Archers Anonymous. Tony, yes, I think I love him. Uh, Jane Wilcox in Artist Appreciation. Go, Tony, go. Tell him. And Jack Raymond in The Artist Anonymous. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. At long last, someone has stood up to that horrible, bully, psychopathic Nazi Rob. Well done, Tony. Uh, This 
Absolutely. This was gorgeous. Gorgeous moment on the Archers this week. Chris Stone in Archers Appreciation said, Neil in his underpants, Susan talking dirty, pervy Robert taking photos of naked women, a conspiracy to force him to get her kit off. Was I really listening to the Archers? Currently having a lie down whilst fanning salt with a newspaper. <laughs> uh, Susan Dimmock, whenever Pat fails to support her daughter, I think of the scene in the final battle in the final Harry Potter film when Mrs. Weasley guards her daughter with her wand and seats. Not my daughter, ya bitch. Now that is a mum. Perhaps things aren't final enough yet for Pat to lift up her wand. So Susan Dimmock and Ambridge Addicts, many people across the Facebook pages did agree with you. Very A lot of confusion about why Pat the feminist is just not supporting her daughter. Uh, Stuart Arundel, upstairs at the ball. Kenton has a small part in Calendar Girls. Sniggers. <laughs> Helen Goddard, upstairs at the ball. David on the way to the restaurant. I don't suppose they'll shoot us if we're five minutes late. You'd have thought they might have cut that line. And there was a lot of debate about that. But these are recorded six weeks ahead. And obviously, things can change in world events. So I'm sure that no offence was meant. Um, Carol Walker raised something interesting in Archer's Appreciation. She said, I have a question. Claire calls Peggy Mrs. Woolley and Peggy calls Clary, Clary. This irritates me possibly more than it ought. And I ask myself, is this inequality due to class or is Clary showing respect to a much older person? Hmm, it's a good question. I hadn't really noticed, but I'll be listening for it now. Susie Sue Bevington in Narcissus Appreciation says, What has New Zealand ever done to deserve that? Oh, now, this also was quite topical across the pages. Fiona Jones in Upstairs at the Ball said, Who else hopes that Keeper's Cottage is empty for months due to high, high rent? And a lot of people saying, why don't the Grundys just move in and see what happens, play it out, because they have got the two months. And it's actually, I must admit, my because I'm a bit of a fighter myself, my first instinct would be to move in and just see what happens. They've got nothing to lose because they're going to have to move out um, of Grey Gables anyway. Um, Julia Robertson on Ambridge Addict said, I heard a lovely lady on the radio a few years ago whose job it was to sit in on TA script meetings and deal with continuity, realism, etc., she said she would say things like, no, no, David would be milking at that time, so you can't put him in the bull, or so-and-so wouldn't do that, it's out of character. Listening to Pat and Ruth over the last few days, I can only assume she's been retired. And then we had a fair bit of activity on our page. The, the one I'd like to highlight today is one that Royfield posted. He said, this is a wanted it for years, now their wish is being granted. Ambridge will be ruthless. What a way to start the weekend. I think I can hear the bells at St Stephen's ringing. Kate Swift responded, a newly single David could add a spark to the village. Will Susan leave Neil giving the farm manager the boot in favour of the seven million pounds, sorry, not dollars, land-owning farmer? Or will Hazel Woolley soften and trade property development for wellies? Or maybe Ian will trade Chef White's uh, at Grey Gables for Jill's Flory Pinney after his and Adam's inevitable breakup. Oh, that's a bit sad. I was hoping they were forever. Gone will be the chicken's feet of Ruth's regime and in with quail in a port reduction of fennel three ways. There are lots more responses to that, so please get over to our Facebook page and check it out. And this week we would love to see you because I think the drama is not quite over. Hooray! <coughs> Hurrah! Thank uh, you, Millie Bell! That was quite uh, a bumper crop from the Book of Faith, Millie Bell. It was. So it was just the, just the one that, that again passed me by, even though I was listening hard this week. Um, with a reference to uh, should they have taken the line out about uh, David saying, uh, well, they won't shoot us if we're five minutes late to the restaurant. Yeah! Oh, I never even picked that up. I didn't pick it up. I, I, I didn't pick it up. So that must have been Friday evening. 
Um, but, I think. Um, I think you know when it's funny. It's very strange. There are two distinct types of Archer's listeners. I think when there is horrific shit going on in the world, there are people that, like me, I'm, I'm one of these people, go into Ambridge as an escape. <clears throat> And yeah. just complete, you've got a little part of your brain. The rest of my brain is full up with deadlines and things I've got to write. And I've got to remember which child is going to which swimming pool and blah, 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 blah. And there is a little corner of my brain, which is designated Ambridge and peace and something I don't have to do anything about. So it just becomes this little, uh, it's a bit like um, Blanding's Castle is in, in, in Woodhouse. It's just this little sort of uh, fenced off enclave bit where reality doesn't impinge. Which so is I, also, never, I, think... I, never, I never pick up on any of this stuff. And some people look at what's happened in the Archers as a kind of an, an adjunct to what's happened in the week on the news and things like that. And so it would never occur to me to put those lines together in that context at all, because I don't yeah. listen in that way. But some people always do. Which is also why if the storylines get too tricky and in your face... Um, People get very incensed long... because it, you've... You, the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that little world, that lovely little world has just yeah. been invaded. I, I get that. I get that. Archers is, uh, is, is, is the sort of the peace and calm and everything's all right. Yeah. And even if it isn't, you know it probably will be in about two weeks' time. Yes. And you don't have to do anything about it. But then when reality starts to sort of creep into it... I get a huge sense of relief sometimes when I'm listening to a radio comedy. I know this sound. This is going to make me sound completely nuts, but never mind. Um, something like Round the Horn or something daft. And I just think, oh, lovely. I'm not, I don't have to emote to this at all. I don't have to respond in any sort of emotional mm. way. I can just let the gags wash over me. Yeah. It's so lovely. I don't need to empathise or anything. Because a lot of what I do in a, as a job and other stuff is sort of about empathy. And I can just listen in isolation. I don't need to give any of myself away to listen to this. I can enjoy it. And it doesn't ask anything from me. Um, does that sound nuts? It does no, a bit, doesn't it? No, doesn't it? we all need that sort of little yeah. the quiet space to, yeah. to go to. And, and, and you're right. I think a lot of people use, uh, use radio you know, for that because you are, it's not that you're sitting there doing nothing and, and, and then your mind can can sort of crowd in so something's happening but it's something that's just going to occupy enough of your mind but not too much yes and crowd in it's so if i wake up in the middle of the night and, and my brain starts going whirring round, i tend to put on a podcast something that's like peter day's world of business or or something that's that i can actually fall asleep to that will just <laughs> take enough of my brain yeah. away um but stops me me whirring around about what I otherwise I might as well just get up and get on with it yeah um, which at sort of four in the morning is not not the thing to do no so mm. good right so Lucy yes what are your top five hashtag the archers tweets of the week well this week was quite tricky really because they were mostly all about Ruth there wasn't nobody tweeted about anything else. It was quite difficult to find anything that wasn't about Ruth. But anyway, um, I did like uh, Rich Cups's tweet uh, because I often think this. He said, I am missing the archers for my son's college concert. I bet they kill Rob and I miss it. <laughs> I'm terrified I'm going to miss miss Rob's comeuppance. Dawn Oliver said, why is Pat being the voice of the Saudi Arabian government? <laughs> uh, Stephen Perkins 
said, a better use for Ruth's inheritance, tickets to New Zealand for David, Pip and Jill. One way. Yes, exactly. Peter Woodhead said, oh, Rob's had a rotten week. Tony's tables, Helen's fine and the car crash. Boring job application to do and now an uneaten tomato salad. Yes, heart bleeds. And Denise Tomlinson, Dusty Substances, yay, who said she just put two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, and that's it. <laughs> I missed that. I missed, uh, I missed Dusty's tweet. The way they are talking, it's like she's leaving the farm for good, isn't it? Mm. Well, why do you know? Why, what, what, what's she doing? Where's, where's she going? She can't go on her own. You know, she spent more than two weeks away up in Prudder. Why, why does it matter where she is? It's just that she's not there and they mm. managed perfectly well. It's you've done something that it hasn't been agreed by all of us and we didn't know, in, which is exactly what they're doing to her. So Absolutely. I'm not your biggest fan, Ruth, but I have massive sympathy with you and you go and enjoy yourself and take a nice long time coming back. But I'm not sure she will enjoy herself. No. We'll have, like you said, though, we'll have lots of <laughs> phone conversations, won't we? Have funny times of the day and night. Oh, dear. Dear, dear, dear. Ah. Oh, well, I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> we haven't finished yet. Keep going. I know going. we've got all the, all, all the wrap-up stuff to do, but I have top? really enjoyed this. So, um... Have you got enough room, by the way, at the end of Derek's bed? Yes, perched Good. on here. Okay. I've always wondered what the back bedroom looked like. I know. It's nice, oh, isn't think. it? It is. Well, no, it's not nice. It's, what is it? It's functional <laughs> and there's a bit of a smell. But I think that could kind of probably describe Derek just as well as the room. Uh, if you change the brown and orange colour scheme, it would look better. Have you got the bit of bed with the spring poking out? <laughs> Be careful when you sit back. It's like a lumbar puncture if you're not careful. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Royfield has given me strict instructions. Has you, he? Do you know how I had, I had a little practice with Royfield? It was, and it was very strange, me trying to be him and him being you. <laughs> very, very strange. Anyway, shop news. It terrifies me that Harriet one day is going to do an impression of me, and it terrifies me even more that Royfield might. I'll tell you what, bloody hell. <sighs> Uh, yes, sorry, shop news. Yes, so the shop, yes, Christmas is coming. The geese are getting fat. Pleased to put a penny in the Royfield's hat. Sack. Uh, <laughs> yes, and who wouldn't be happy finding a little bit of Royfield in their Christmas stocking? Absolutely. So there are lots of goody goodies there, and don't worry, we won't spill the beans. Uh, well, I won't, because I probably won't be asked back. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> do buy lots of uh, Dumpty Dum merch. For your loved ones that would be great and also the the site and i have to say i'm not very good at going on the site and on the forums uh, but i have been on uh, this week to have a little uh, a little lurk and there are lots and lots of lovely things going on on the on the forums um i love the sort of the, the way the uh, the articles are um sort of following each other so there's a uh, ruth enough is enough and then a pat enough is enough <laughs> Everybody, enough! enough. It. Stop. <laughs> That's it. But you can add your articles to the site. You can comment on the shows and message the other listeners and call her in as directly. And if you want to keep the show on the road, there are two ways that this can be done. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Dumpty Dum and find us to support the show for $2. Or if you want to simply donate, you can go to dumptydum.com and hit the donate button on the site. Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the site or call 0203 031 3105 to leave us a message. Or you can find at Dum on Twitter 
or tweet Royfield at Royfield. Me at Lucy V. Freeman. Me at Andrew Horn UK. Or Sarah Smith at Sarah underscore Smith. And that's wow. it. We've done. Mm. Mm. I've really, I've really enjoyed that. Have you? Yes. And thank you, Royfield, for asking me. Did you feel nervous? No, I no. didn't. Well, it's because you're family, isn't it? It's because you know how it all sounds. Yes. Yeah. And we've met before, um, before sitting here on the uh, on the bed back bedroom. Um, and I think so. Roy first asked me at the summer do would I think about it, and then when I saw him for lunch in September, he said, "Now, I'm serious about this." Uh, <laughs> so as a, as a backup. So there we are. That's very good. Now we know you did very well. Thank you. Thank you. We've just got to see if he can patch it all together. Yes. Well, it's a, he's a bit of a miracle worker. It always Sometimes we have, if the Skype goes down kind of, you know, 14 times in one thing and I end up, he says, send me the files and I end up sending him like seven files. And I think, oh my God. And somehow he manages to do it all. I don't know how. Uh, well, he said he'll be sitting there with bated breath waiting for it to come. <laughs> so. Blimey. <laughs> I better send it now then so we can unbait. Indeed. Very <sighs> good. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, and, um, Lucy. Have a nice fabulous. rest of the day. Will do. <laughs> See you oh. later. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 